podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today on Barca Talk. FC Barcelona ended La Liga with a 2-2 draw against Ibar. Lionel Messi scored two goals, winning his sixth Pichichi Award and gaining some ground on Kylian Mbappe for the Golden Boot. FCB Femini lost the Women's Champions League final in Budapest to Olympic Lyon 4-1. And the response of the Barca dressing room to the prospect of signing Antoine Griezmann is, we don't want him. All those stories today on Barca Talk. First, a little bit of news. Lionel Messi was awarded the St. George's Cross by the government of Catalonia at a ceremony held last Thursday. Messi was among 28 people and 15 organizations given the award for those that have served Catalonia in defense of its identity, either civically or culturally. Brazil has announced its 23-man squad for the Copa America this summer. Barcelona players Coutinho and Artur have both been called up for the competition to be held in Brazil. This will be Coutinho's third time in the tournament. He has made 47 appearances and scored 13 goals in competitive games for Brazil in the last nine years. Arthur will be making his competitive debut for Brazil in this tournament. He was first called up last September, and his eight appearances so far have all been in friendly matches. The Spanish squad for Euro 2020 qualifiers has also been announced. Luis Enrique has continued his practice of pulling players from a wide variety of clubs in Spain and elsewhere. From FC Barcelona, he's called up Sergi Roberto, Jordi Alba, and Sergio Busquets. FC Barcelona president Josep Bartomeu has stated publicly and without reservation that Ernesto Valverde will be back as manager. Quote, he is the manager we want, he is under contract, and we are very happy with him. End quote. And according to an article in Sport, the prospect of Barcelona signing Antoine Griezmann after he announced last week that he will not be continuing at Atletico Madrid has not been well received in the Barca dressing room. More on that in a moment. All right, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Yeah. No, no. It's Well, actually, for, for me, uh, plenty. I'm, uh, as as some of you listening may know, and as you know, Gabriel, I I have to write this book about FC Barcelona. And I signed the contract to do it months ago, but I had a lot of other things going on. I got all of those things sorted out and out of the way. And now the last week I've been going pretty hard at writing the book and it's going well. I feel a little bit behind. It's due on Thursday, but I'm I'm plugging away and I'm learning a lot of really fun things as I'm sort of doing some last minute research, mainly about the history of the club and things and so it's been really great. Uh, it's also been stressful at the same time. So then, you know, I've got other things going on with music. Finally got some stuff sorted out on Friday night that decreased my stress level by roughly 10,000%. What? <laughs> so, like, life life is pretty, pretty good at the moment. How are you doing? Nice. I'm doing right. Um, just, you know, relaxing Sunday night here in Madrid. I uh, had a really nice lunch with some friends before we started recording. And yeah, just, you know, it's, it's a little bit uh, weird weather this week. We had summer on Monday <laughs> and now it's like autumn weather right now. And it's supposed to heat up again this week. So yeah, uh, you know, that's just how it is in Madrid. But yeah, man, just, just hanging in there already ready for the summer. I'm ready to go hit the beach, man. A lot of beaches in Madrid. <laughs> uh, no, but very close. Valencia is one hour away. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I always forget how really like pretty small Spain is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah, that big a country. Yeah, Valencia is like one one hour and a half on the on the the bullet train. So yeah, they're really quick. So and the beach in Valencia is very nice. 
Yeah. That's yeah. a really, really good piece of real estate there. And the paella, man, at the home of the paella. Oh, that's right. The paella. We're, Megan and I are trying to plan a paella night in the fairly near future so we can really break in the paella pan we got on our trip to nice. Spain. Yeah. Show You'll the skills sh- we picked up in our paella class. Nice. You'll have to post some pictures on our Facebook page. Totally. You know, uh, so the trick that I learned in the paella class, more olive oil. Mm. If, if there's a problem, more olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> that will solve it. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Well, I was ta- I was telling you here that, you know, they sell the the broth, the paella, like milk here. So mm. you can just get the rice, you get the paella broth, and you can make a paella very, very easy and quick here. Wow. Yeah, yeah we don't have that here. No. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hard enough to just get the right kind of rice here in the States. Yeah, yeah, of course. Got to, like, go to Whole Foods. Luckily, yeah. we have a Whole Foods in Buffalo now. I think they've been here for a year or two. It's real game changer in Buffalo life. <laughs> I think Trader Joe's has been around about two years longer than that. You know, we're coming up in the world. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We're <laughs> we're becoming bougier and bougier. <laughs> Buffalo to 2019 is like San Francisco 1986. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk. All right. Let's let's talk about this uh this news item. I read this on Sport. Obviously, Antoine Griezmann announced that he is not going to be staying on with Atletico Madrid. He did this publicly on with a video. And ever since then, all kinds of talk about where will he go now. And naturally, the discussion points to Barcelona. Will Barcelona sign him? And it seems that Bartomeu, the president, is keen on bringing Griezmann in. But the Barca dressing room is very not keen to welcome Griezmann. And uh, this guy writing for sport... Let me get his name up for you. Albert Masnu. He says that a lot of the players feel like essentially that Griezmann has was jerking him around last year and they felt disrespected. They felt slighted by that with his whole, you know, will I, won't I? And then the whole documentary that he made about making his decision and all that. They feel like he's he's not welcome here. When you posted this, this was news to me because all week here in Madrid, the talk has been pretty strong about him going to Barcelona and the Barcelona dressing room being open for that because again, he's a world-class player and he's definitely going to help us, especially with champions league campaigns and so forth. So when you posted this, this was news to me. I don't really believe this actually. I, I don't know. I think this is kind of, I don't know. I'm, I think, you know, players respect other players as decisions, you know, when it comes to free agency and movement of that. So I don't think they're really that hurt. Um, but I, I mean, I can understand maybe, you know, last year, maybe in September or October when Griezmann decided to stay with Atletico, maybe they were a little bit, um, they didn't feel that it was a right move to do the documentary and then make that kind of decision. I can say that like, you know, almost kind of the LeBron decision when he did that too. Right. But again, you kind of forget about it and you realize that Griezmann is a world-class player uh, the reports here all week, Brian, here in Madrid, was that Messi was leading the charge to accept Griezmann. Oh, okay. So that's that's why I'm kind of leery about this report because I don't know if this is just trying to be the opposite of that just to try to get more clicks. Again, he said he had a source in the dressing room, but you know how good is that source? Again, we always talk about the the insider sources here in world football, they're not as good as they are in the, in the States. So I kind of take this, you know, I read it, understand it. But more importantly, Brian, I just 
don't think he's a good fit for Barca, regardless if the dressing room accepts him or not. Right, right. I, and that that seems to be the main topic of discussion, really, is yeah. that would he actually fit? Would I mean, obviously, he's a great forward. He's a yeah. he is a world class player. You can't deny that. And so the the question or the discussion essentially turns to would he be good at Barcelona? Is he what we need right now? Would he essentially would he contribute to more wins and more goals and better performance, for instance, in the Champions League? I mean, yes. I mean, I definitely think, for example, let's say if we're comparing him to Coutinho, for example, right, because those are if we're talking wage, right, they're going to be equal. Right. That's essentially what we're doing. And I say, yes, he would be a better, you know, he would have better production than Coutinho. But I just think that, you know, the Barca style, the DNA, he just doesn't fit. He's more of a 4 4 2. Where does Suarez go? Where does Messi go? Uh, to me, it's just, there's a lot of traffic. There's going to be overpassing, <laughs> which will drive me crazy because no one's going to take a shot. And I don't know. I just, I, I also just, don't, I think it doesn't make physical sense. You know, I just think, He's so expensive compared to obviously where last year we could have got him for free that I think we have other needs. And this is all we talk about, left back, right back. Those are our strongest needs right now. And to get a luxury forward right now at 120 million euros is, is, is insane to me. Right. Well, what, what really, though, is the difference between um, a 4-4-2 player like him and mm-hmm. trying to work him into – whatever our style is right now i mean I, maybe that's an even bigger question what is our style right now exactly that's <laughs> that's the biggest key you know and you know especially in today's match against ibar you know we're we're almost seeing more of a 4-4-2 lineup that we keep going to especially because valverde loves vidal he puts him as the cog and he's basically putting the midfield around vidal and so you know when you have a 4-4-2 usually Ryan, typically you have two strikers up there and usually they they work in, you know, as a pair, you know, left side, right side, they can crisscross. And typically you would have, you know, prototypically you would have taller, kind of almost like a Diego Costa. And then you would have a fast guy like Griezmann, right? So that's where Griezmann thrives. But again, where do we put Messi in that 4-4-2, right? As we talked about, do we go to a diamond-shaped midfield? Then all of a sudden we have... Okay, that would work for four to that style with the diamond. But again, do you trust Valverde thinking outside the box with that? <laughs> where does you know where does Malcolm go? Where does Dembele go? Where does Coutinho go? If we still have them, we have all these players that we're just going to not utilize their talent just to make Griezmann fit. Right. So that's what I think. You know, again, it goes back to: Are we do we still want to use a four three three, or are we just completely scrapping that? Right. Yeah. It's- that that's the open question yeah but i just keep thinking that well the again the the issue of like what you know what are we right now and and here's the thing i i just don't get the sense that that valverde has his own kind of like vision that he's trying to yeah. realize tactically or strategically or stylistically i think that he he find he like he sees players that he likes for some reason, for some kind of attribute that they have. For instance, Vidal, right? I think that if you just look at his individual player profile, regardless of how Vidal fits or doesn't fit within a particular team, if you just look down his, you know, his his stat sheet, his profile, more or less, I think Valverde looks at that and says, 
that's what I want. That's the player. That's a player that I like. And then I'm going to so I'm going to essentially choose players in that way, sort of individually based on their own attributes and merits. And then I'll form something around that. And I don't know that that's necessarily a bad approach, but I, I think that he also lacks or it, it seems to me like he's lacking a kind of um, a, a mold that he's trying to work a team into. I mean, I think you have to do both, maybe. I mean, that's the problem, right? Like, he doesn't know what's going on. I mean, when they ask him, you know, why you did this substitution, he just – he has no answers, you know? Just like you said, I think that's the biggest frustration right now is because we have the talent. We have the players, you know? And as I always say, if you compare ourselves to Real Madrid's situation right now, they are in a completely world of hurt right now. They have they, they have to do a complete, you know, changing of the of the guard there with players and all these things. We don't. You know, we just need to tweak a little bit to get maximum, you know, effort to get maximum results, you know, and that's what's the biggest problem for me, because when I look at this formation, you know, I, I like today's match and the last couple of matches, I just cannot identify the Barca style anymore. Right. You know? The attacking, the elegant passing, the movement, you know, just the fluidity of it. We just don't have that anymore. And to me, that's why I love Barca, you know, and again, it goes back to, you know, do we scrap the 4-3-3? And I'm, you know, Brian, I'm completely adaptable to going to a 4-4-2, but make it an electric 4-4-2, you know, put Messi at the top, playmaking with Suarez and Malcolm, Suarez and Dembele, something like this. You still can can have the conservatism that Valverde strives and wants, but you can still be free-flowing and passing between each other because you still have the spaces. But again, we never see any of that, you know. He goes again with Vidal in this match. And yes, Vidal had an assist and great, you know. But he lacks so many other things that I don't see anymore, you know. And that to me is troubling because next year we'll probably do all right in La Liga. But will we win champions or come close to it? I don't know. And I don't really have that much confidence. Right. Yeah. Yeah, me either. Not at this moment. Um, I'll say this about the uh, back to the Griezmann issue. Um, maybe this report from Sport uh, is uh, not accurate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, as far as what the uh, the sense in the dressing room is, but one thing that's definitely for sure is uh, a poll that Sport itself ran. Apparently, the sixty-seven percent of fifty thousand people that Sport polled are also not keen on Griezmann either. So I think we're there's a general consensus amongst you and I and amongst all those fans that sport polled that generally we're not interested, we're not that interested in Griezmann, which yeah. is kind of crazy, right, when you look at the potential goal scoring he, he could bring with him, the potential kind of electricity in the attack that he could bring with him because he's definitely speedier than... Uh, well, he's speedier than Suarez at, yeah. at this point. He's a little younger. He's a great finisher. He's good on the volley. He actually has a lot of good good attributes about him. But uh, I think it's interesting that so many fans, including you and I, just aren't that excited about the prospect of Griezmann. And, I'm, and I know that plenty of people probably are, but it's just not us. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of reasons. It really comes down to... He just doesn't fit the profile of a typical Barca free agent player, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't really show the DNA of Barca passing ability. Yeah. And those are the big things, you know. Uh, when we bring a free agent, you hope to have those type of attributes, you know. 
Um, if you bring a, if you bring a big free agent, he's also going to be younger. And right now, Griezmann coming to the team at this age is just really kind of mercenary work. And you know, we had that with Romario before he came for a couple of years and he did what he did and just left. You know, and you know, the Barca community wants people who are going to be there longer term. And yes, he will definitely help the goals. But again, I just don't think his style and his profile fits the Barca style. And that's just really what it is. And also economically, we just can't, this is not sustainable as we've talked about these galactical style players. I mean, we, we'd have to get rid of Coutinho. We're going to get a loss for that. Do we sell him TT? Probably Rakitic. Okay, great. But then again, we're just talking about these budgets of more than 300 million euros, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And when what I think might be the inevitable, which is signing Griezmann happens, uh, we'll throw our hands up and <laughs> yeah, we'll complain then well, have, until me, he starts scoring, scoring goals. And then we'll be like, yeah, Griezmann, he's yeah, the yeah. best. Love well, this guy. Just, <laughs> let me ask you this, you know, like, for example, if we're just talking free agent signings, you know, Delict excites you way more than Griezmann. Sure. Well, because right? yeah, I mean, because he's young. But also he fits the Barca style, right? He has that Ajax ability, you know, all those little things. And obviously he's younger, so you can project. I mean, there's so many more things. He's cheaper. He's, you know, all these things. And he's a, he's a defender. Mm-hmm. So that kind of just tells you, you know, if your first gut is telling you that you're kind of bland on Griezmann, that that should tell you something. You know, yeah. he is a great player, but he's just not for us. All right. Well, let's let's leave that aside for now. Check out our Amazon Marketplace. You know, we've curated and selected these items that exemplify the Barca Talk lifestyle brand, such as it is. Uh, this week, I have chosen an item. It is a book for the intellectual fan. It's a book by the intellectual footballer Andres Iniesta, the artist. It's the English translation of his uh, Spanish autobiography, and it's in paperback or in Kindle edition. Very nice. I haven't read that book yet. Have you? I I have not yet, and it's it's been on my list of books that I want to read for a while. And actually, I have to say, doing research for this book that I'm writing, mm-hmm. uh, there's about six or seven books that I will that are on my to read list. I probably should have read them before I wrote my own book, but my book is for fifth graders. Like it's it's fine. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I don't need yeah. I don't need deep several hundred page books. Uh, to to pull off this thing that I'm writing. But so, yeah, sure. it's, it's on the list for sure. I think it's a good gift because, you know, obviously we love Iniesta. So anything about him, I'm all about it. So I think it's a good pickup. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a really important part of the Barca Talk lifestyle. Sure. I like that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're really trying to rebrand here. For, yeah. <laughs> we're not just a, a podcast. Lifestyle. We're a way of life. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Speaking of which, what, what was your your item this week? So, you know, I, I figured, you know, what was frustrating for me about this month of football is just the lack of attacking beautiful football. So I figured, you know, the best way to, to get that identity back is to get the FC Barcelona attacking book. So it's basically a tactical analysis for coaches and so forth on how to adapt Pep Guardiola's attacking style. So I'm going to send that to Mr. Valverde. So hopefully he can read up on this for the off season and kind of remember what our Barca identity is a little bit. Yeah. And I think that, that everyone should buy a copy and send it to, send it to Ernesto Valverde. Uh, the address is Calle Daristedes Mayo 12 08028. 
That's the comp new address. Just address yeah. it to Ernesto Valverde. Yeah. And then in parentheses, beige. Beige. <laughs> no, I really like the title of this book. It's it has yeah. it it sort of has like multiple subtitles, but one of them is Attacking a Team from Another Planet. Correct. I I feel like this is a really bad English translation of the Spanish. So sure. Yeah. But basically it's it's you know, it's talking about the 433 style and the system and the responsibilities positioning, and obviously just the attacking. Um, as Pep Guardiola always said, is once you hit the penalty box, extend it, you attack. And we have kind of forgotten that in the past. Yeah, years. this is another one I need to add to my 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 list of books to read. Because yeah. sometimes when I'm when we're talking about matches, uh, I I feel like I wonder if I could be doing a better job of of reading this game and analyzing this game. And I think a book like this would help me a lot in doing that. And for anyone else who's, you know, curious about these sorts of things, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the ins and outs. And, you know, I love that sort of stuff. That's, that's partly a lot of what I do in terms of in musical life. You know, I don't just play music. I do a lot of kind of like analysis of it. I'm really, I'm, I'm interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah. So this is yet another book I have to add to my, uh, my shelf. Yeah, it's it's it looks pretty good, and just like you, I'm I'm really always interested in tactical stuff. It doesn't matter what sport, because I think, you know, it's one thing that separates the professionals to the amateurs, right? Is the ability to come up with a plan and implement it and see it work with success. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's pro football, pro basketball, obviously world football, and I just think in world football, it's just crazy how you know the differences are really minor, but having uh, an advanced tactical plan, you know, just to be able to find a weakness and to get a goal off of that is just really cool. Yeah, yeah. The Women's Champions League final was held on Saturday in Budapest between Olympic Lyon and our own Barca Femini. Here with a full report is Michelle Taylor. Unless you've been living under a rock or off the grid, you'll already know the outcome of the UEFA Women's Champions League final. After qualifying for their first ever final, Barca Femini knew that they were in for one hell of a game, and they weren't wrong. US Cortez rolled out a lineup that I didn't entirely agree with in three of the positions. For a start, he selected Leila Wahabi at left back, whereas I would have gone with the more experienced Melanie Serrano, because she has a better sense of where she needs to be, and she's also better at linking with Lika Martins. Tony Dugan was also started. My choice would have been Azizata Schwala, solely for her speed and her ability to keep the opposing defensive back line on their toes. Leon likes playing a high defensive line. Any ball over the top to Azizat could have had the potential to go into goal or to trouble Leon into making an error. I also would have started Andresa Alves over Mariona. Andresa has been used as a box-to-box player before, and she would have been immensely valuable in the transition of the team as we moved from defence to attack. The game was done and dusted inside 30 minutes. Zenefa Marajan scored in the fifth minute, and Ada Hagerberg scored a hat-trick to give Leon a 4-0 lead. Defensively, we were a mess, but as Marta Torajon said after the game, Leon came at Barca like a high-speed steamroller. They certainly knew to come through the middle and pick apart Andrea Pereira, who didn't cover herself in glory. Leila Wahabi was no match for Dutch player Shanice van der Sanden out on the right wing for Leon, and Mappy was forced wider than usual to help a struggling Leila, which left big gaps for the Leon forwards to exploit. Just before half-time, we won a corner. The set play came off as planned. Vicky Lasada sent in the kick to the far post, and Alexia Poteas rounded the massive players in the box to run onto the ball, but her header went high. 
that should have been a goal, and any other day it probably would have gone in. Barca played better in the second half, but Leon didn't really have to do anything more than let Barca have the ball. We had another great couple of chances for goal through Lika and Vicky, but again we just weren't accurate enough. If those three chances had gone into the net, the game would certainly have been more interesting. U.S. Cortez waited far too long to make any subs, taking until the 69th minute when he took off Aitana and Tony for Andresa Alves and Azizata Shualo. Suddenly we looked a different team with much more attacking threat. If these changes had been made closer to the start of the second half, we may have had a better chance of redeeming ourselves. A consolation goal came just before the game ended when Lika Martins battled her way out of tackles from behind the halfway line, drove forward and sent a beautiful vertical pass into Azizata Shualo, who fended off Wendy Reynard and sent the ball into the net. A bittersweet piece of history was made. Oshuala's goal was the first goal for Barca in a Champions League final. She was also the first Nigerian or African player to play in the final, thus becoming the first Nigerian or African player to score a goal in the Champions League final. Three more accolades to add to her already long list of accomplishments. After the presentations were made, the team made its way around the pitch, acknowledging the large contingent of Barca fans who had travelled to Budapest to watch the game. There were a lot of tears at that moment, but immense pride in what had been achieved. There were Champions League medals around their neck, not the colour that they would have liked, but still something to be cherished. Barca now has more experience than it has ever had in the Champions League by reaching the final. The players are all talking about the next time. They definitely feel that they have unfinished business. In hindsight, we reached the final a year too early. In fact, the team's five-year plan did have them achieving this goal next year, but a fortuitous draw gave Barca an easier path to the final than expected. But back to the lineup that U.S. Cortez selected to start the match. We certainly missed Haida Hamraoui in midfield. That was a huge blow for the team to be without her. But out of the 11 players in the starting lineup, only two were non-Spanish players, Lika and Tony. Andresa Alves, Stephanie van der Graaf, Azizata Schwala and Natasha Andanova sat on the bench. When these players were signed, especially Ashwala who was signed on loan in the winter transfer window, we were told that they were joining the team because of their experiences in big games and playing in international competitions. So, how come Cortez didn't start them in the starting lineup? It just seems to me that the starting selection for the game was made with his heart rather than his head. Apart from training sessions, the season is now over for the team and a large number will likely be heading to national training camps to prepare for next month's World Cup in France. There will be several players saying goodbye to Barca over the next weeks as their contracts expired and won't be renewed, either due to technical or players' personal decisions. They leave a team that has been enriched by their presence and even though they won't be at Barca next season, they will forever be Blaugrana and have a place in our hearts. For Barca Talk, I'm Michelle Taylor. Visca Barca e Fossa Barca Femini. And now for the Barca Talk Guard of Honor. This week we're honoring Mark Lemke. He's been supporting us on Patreon for two months now. Thank you, Mark, for your support and enjoy this paseo. there's still time for you to become a patron for a chance to win a Barca jersey. Just follow one of our many links to Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes or at barsatalk.net. Patreon is a monthly membership platform that allows artists and creators like us to get financial support for their work. We're asking for $5 a month. You can give more if you want. You can also cancel at any time. So if you just want to sign up for May to enter the drawing for the jersey and then cancel, 
go right ahead. Patrons get a bonus episode every Thursday, so follow the link in our show notes to Patreon, become a patron, and you might win a jersey. We'll be announcing the winner with a special patrons-only episode on June 3rd. All right, let's get into La Liga. This is the last La Liga match review of the year because it was match day 38 against Ibar at Ipurua. It was a 2-2 draw in the end. And I was thinking, you know, with the Copa del Rey final approaching next weekend, I guess the need to keep the the top players active in competition sort of compelled Valverde to name a starting 11 that for the most part was free of any significant changes. Uh, on the other hand, Coutinho, Suarez, Artur, and Dembele were all injured. So that meant Malcolm got the start, as did Sergi Roberto in the front three while Semedo was holding down right back. I don't, I don't understand, you know, Messi is not a forward. He's not the true forward like Suarez, for example, right? Right. Obviously, Messi can do so many great things. And again, to me, why not just put, you know, Malcolm and I don't know, PK up there. I don't I, you know, like this is the time that you love. Be Frankenstein about it. I know there's a Copa del Rey final, but at the same time, this match, many of the players looked very uninterested. Again, Vidal getting the start. Um, you know, Messi was basically all by himself up top. And Malcolm and Sergio Roberto were there to help, but they didn't, you know, obviously they haven't played with each other. So you can kind of see the disconnect that happened. And also it's the last game of the season in Pais Vasco. And you could just tell that none of the players were interested. Right. None. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of uh, putting PK up there, we got this from Francis on Patreon. He, he <laughs> says, just watching Ibar and worked out how to keep PK motivated. For every shutout against a top team, he gets to start as a number nine against a bottom team. I think it's a great comment. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and, and that got me thinking, assuming all the center backs are fit, I would rather have PK up there than Boateng. Yeah, of course. You know, like put Longley and Umtiti or even Longley and Vermaelen or yeah. maybe even Todibo when he's fit, you know. But uh, in, in a game against someone like Ibar, you know, a, a lower team, Huesca, whatever, if if you're thinking, if Valverde's thinking, oh, I'll give Boateng the start, maybe just give it to PK. He would be, I think, actually more effective than Boateng at that position at this point. Correct. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. And, for example, you know, if, again, we're always talking about these inventive, innovative ideas, so obviously Valverde is not going to do them, but... Um, you know, imagine imagine we did a four four two, and we had Messi and PK up top. <laughs> I think that could surprisingly work. Of course, because they've been playing together forever, and then you just put him TT in the back. You're still not losing anything. You still have a strong midfield, and you still have PK as a point man. He's going to win stuff in the air, and he's going to try to score because he would just love it so much. Yeah, and he can hold up the ball. Correct, and he's a really good passer. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, again, because obviously we're depleted right now on the bench. So you kind of think of these outside-the-box options because, again, how many times was Messi all by himself up top? That's just not what his role is anymore. He's the playmaker, right? We want him to play more central uh, attacking mid or right wing. But, again, when he's up the middle, I mean, obviously he scored two goals, and that's most of, you know, that's awesome. It's an awesome result. But, again, just as we talk about, the body language of the whole team was just the countdown as soon as they got on the field was, okay, five minutes, 10 minutes, 60 minutes, <laughs> 70 minutes. Let's just get back and go home, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah, just counting the hours, the minutes, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for me, the the main talking point from this match is actually the fact that 
we know we need a proper backup for Jordi Alba. And so Mark Kukurea has spent this year on loan from Barca to Ibar, and you got to see him in this match. So if you look at this match as nothing more than a job interview for a backup left-back position, I think Kukurea earned some serious consideration. I went and I compared Kukurea this season statistically with Jordi Alba 2009-2010, just to try and you know, get them at the same age. And, you know, Jordi Alba was a little older than Kukurea is now. Kukurea is 20. He's only 20 years old. Yeah, if you look at the uh, 2009-10 season for Jordi Alba, he was still at Valencia. And overall, Jordi still compares more favorably. Uh, But he didn't have nearly as many appearances. He didn't play nearly as many minutes as Kukurea has this year for Ibar. There are a couple of stats that I found encouraging for Kukurea. Um, For one thing, the two of them are equal on key passes per game. So that's not assists, but you know, it's that second to last ball before the, you know, the one before the assist, mm-hmm. same exact stat 0.9 per game. And Kukurea got dribbled past. So this is on the defensive end of things. Kukurea got dribbled past 0.4 times per game this year. While back in 2009 and 10, Alba got taken 0.7 times per game. And of course he has improved since then, I think his stats now are, are even much better on that particular one. But that does show that Kukurea, if if he doesn't quite have Alba's attacking potential, he at least is someone who we can put in there to defend and give Alba a break. I mean, I, we should. I think we have the option to bring him back, right? So I think yeah, his is, loan ends at the end of June. Yeah, so the so club has we to figure definitely... out what they want to do with him at that point, and I think they should just keep him on and let him know you're on the first team now. You've had a season in the Primera. You've played a lot of minutes. You you're looking good. You're Jordi Alba's backup now. Yeah, I think it's a no brainer. It's easy, cheap. He's 20 years old. He, I mean, this season he had over 30 appearances, so you know the durability is there. And just give him the load of 30, percent mm-hmm. and we just minimize Jordi Alba. I mean, again, we saw at the end not only Jordi Alba but Busquets kind of wore down. And imagine if we had a fresh Jordi Alba in Anfield. Exactly. Changes, changes. Right. And again, the whole idea that Cucurella is not a huge drop off. And that's the thing, you know, we Barcelona has really great depth right now. You just have to use it. And again, we're not talking. We're never always talking about five games in a row. We're just talking a spot start, maybe two games in a row, but always give these players rest. There's so many minutes, so many games to divide up. I like them. I've always liked them as a backup for Alba. This is the opportunity. It makes perfect physical sense to do it. Just sign it. You don't have to. You don't have to scout anything. And he can be the backup for the next five years. Exactly. Four I mean, years. You know. Yeah, because the last time that he played for Barcelona, he you know he didn't look so great. But keep in mind, when that happened, he was still only eighteen years old. Yeah, exactly. He's really done a lot of growing up. And you look at his. He's got speed. He's got mm-hmm. crosses. You know, mm-hmm. and he can continue to work on that. Also, he's got legs like tree trunks. Yep. Like the guy's yep. kind of a, he's not ex- especially tall, but he does have some explosive speed. He, he knows how to pass. He knows how to possess. Again, his possession, like his passing accuracy stats don't um, look as good against Jordi Alba, but they're, sure. they're still good. They're in the high 70s. And, you know, he's played as a winger. He's played as a midfielder and he's played as a left back at Ibar. So he can he can go all the way up and down that left flank. And that's it, that's very much like the Barca profile. That's the brief. That's what you want. Exactly. I mean, he's from La Masia, so he already knows what's going on. And again, he's only 20 years old. Yeah. <laughs> he's only 20 years. As we talked about, we're just looking for a player 
to be the backup for the next two or three years, you know, to extend Alba's life, basically his career, his pro life there, and then take over. And when he takes over, he'll be 24, 25. He'll be seasoned. He'll have a lot of training. He'll have more confidence because now he can always go back to this season where he played the whole season, essentially. Yeah. And he'll be training with Jordi Alba. Exactly. Exactly. So he'll probably be benefiting from Jordi Alba's experience, his knowledge. He'll be learning from him. And that's the one thing that he's not getting at Ibar right now. Yeah, I think to me this this has to be done, yes. you know, because it is it is cheap. He's 20 years old. He's proven this season that he can play at this competition. And again, we're just I'm just saying the board should just look at it. We need to, you know, spell Jordi Alba. We can to have Jordi Alba go through another season injury free. That's that's crazy. That's roulette, man. That's yeah. not going to happen. Very you know? unlikely. I'm very unlikely, exactly. Yeah. Now, speaking of other uh fullback positions uh, a couple of things from this match first thing uh nelson Samedo, uh he was replaced at halftime but uh he was taken to the hospital after the game apparently he uh, received a head injury when did that happen in the first half in the first half yeah and you know you know we talk about this concussion protocol thing on the fcb official they called it a knock <laughs> but last time i heard a knock doesn't take you to the hospital right right again it's again the cultural type of thing of head injuries, you know, um, you know, he did pass quote unquote the protocol, but again, he still played, which is crazy. You yeah. Know? Now is a knock more or less severe than a bonk? <laughs> <laughs> I forget uh, the, I forget question. the order. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A knock to his head. Bonk. He took a bonk. <laughs> yeah. Then a bump. Right. Yes, that's, right. That's right. The order. <laughs> but yeah, never so a concussion. Never. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So again, he was taken to the hospital. So obviously it was, you know, severe enough that he had to be taken quicker and not, you know, be held for after the match. So again, as we've talked about with the um, Tottenham game, uh, we've talked throughout the season, um, the concussion protocol has to change. It has to be stricter. Again, there's no perfect system, but they just have to, you know, the, the culture has to change about how severe these head injuries are. Yeah. Yeah, and how severely they're they're treated, and to make accommodations such as, you know, a, a free sub, sure, you know, just to like allow ten or so minutes. You know, uh, speaking of which, uh, I told you I, I've been learning some history. Mm. Are you familiar with this story about Ferenc Platko? No, tell me more. Nineteen twenty-eight Copa del Rey final. Goalkeeper Platko uh, suffers a head injury. He's bleeding from his head. He goes off the pitch, gets six stitches comes back on and finishes the game. Barcelona win the game 3 to 1 for uh to win another Copa del Rey. It was by that point they were already racking up the Copa del Rey trophies. But I'm the question I have. So that's a really fun well fun. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's a story that says okay. something and that uh, particular event uh caused this um poet Rafael Albertini, I believe was his name, to write a poem called Ode to Platko. But what I'm thinking is, what was happening when Platko was on the sideline? Did they hold up the game? Did they continue playing without a goalkeeper? Did they let a goalkeeper come on? Because he ultimately came back and finished the game. So I'm interested in, I don't think there's any way to know this. Um, I could I could try and dig up the reports to see uh, what anyone might have said, but I'm just wondering, so did they just stop the game? It would have been better if they could just keep playing and put another goalkeeper in while he's getting st- stitches, though, I think. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I imagine they stopped the game. Yeah, they given the way the the rules are and have been, yeah. they probably just especially back then. Yeah, I held things. Especially up. it's a goalkeeper, right? So they, I imagine they they said, okay, we're going to try to treat it, fix it, then go back in, and it was just a water break. And uh, he probably, you know, they probably stopped the game. I imagine that's just my hunch. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good point because you know there has to be some sort of system where you know the team is allowed a free sub for 10 minutes while they're going through the protocol to decide. And again, you know, all these trainers and doctors, they never err on the condition that he is concussed. Right. You know, they go the opposite way that he isn't and they try to figure out a way to put him back in the match. And so again, that's the type of thing that needs to change. You know, obviously we talked about it with the NFL, how that's been changing and it's still not good enough. You know, it's still not good enough. It's, it's getting better, but it's still, not good enough and it still has to change here in world football especially in europe where like we talk about if you get a knock and you go out of the game you're considered weak right exactly and that's got to change you you have to just essentially start with the assumption that the player is concussed and then you're trying to disprove that yeah rather than the other way around and yeah stop making it a an issue of strength or weakness or any of that yeah now also at the right back position though Musa Wage, I think, might be ready for prime time. He's another young player, but I think he is. I think he's ready to step up next season and be Samedo's backup. Thus, finally, giving me all the cookies I want <laughs> <laughs> and seeing Sergio Roberto play outside of the back four. I mean, I'm down. You know, I, I'd like to see the left back, you know, Alba Cucurella, and then the right back, Samedo and. I mean, I think that would be great because you have depth, but you also have youth. Those players can develop from the professionals. You finally give Semedo the green light to be the full-on starter. And now you get your dream of Sergio Roberto getting more than one game in midfield and seeing how that develops, you know. Uh, again, I that's what I would do. I think, again, not only does it make great sense on paper, but also, you know, financially. It's super cheap, and they're still good players, you know? Yeah, and that, I mean, Wage, he looks, he's got speed, and he looks actually pretty mature out there Yeah. Uh, in a first-team match, considering his age. Again, it's all about attitude, Brian, you know? He doesn't look scared, you know? Right. You know, he's for another example, 20-year-old, so like Kukurea, he's also 20. Yeah, you know, for example, um, you know, yesterday in the Champions League final, you know, the, the starter... And the women's team is Tony Dugan, right? Mm-hmm. She's the forward. But to me, she kind of looked timid out there. She kind of, especially against Renard, the the, the best women's footballer I've ever seen in my life the, from Leon, yeah. the center back. Yeah. But what happened when we made the sub of Oshwala? Oh, man, Oshwala opened things up. Right? But it wasn't only that she opened. It was all about the attitude that she was not scared of Renard. Right. And that is a huge thing is attitude, right? Now, obviously, you can have attitude. And if you have the attitude with some success, that just gives you confidence going forward, right? So Wagyu's played a couple games this season. He's played with them himself. He has the attitude that he's not scared of the competition. And he's taken those moments, right? There hasn't been really against him where he was very vulnerable on the attack, right? Because his speed can cover up a lot of things. So to me, just give him that position. I think he could be ready for that especially against Copa del Rey competition next season. And I think it's a perfect opportunity. Again, we don't have to scout for that position anymore, right? Right. And then you bring to Licht and Dijon. Look how young the depth is now. We have youth. 
a lot of energy and people that we can project are going to be on the team for the next six years. Exactly. So that's, I don't know, it turns out we actually do have some pretty good options in our backyard because I have to say this year I've been keeping track a little bit, not nearly as much as Max has for us, but a little bit of Barca B. And it does seem like on average the B team is just more on the young side, right? Ricky Pooch has incredible potential obviously as long as he stays fit continues to sort of you know bulk up get more experience we i can see him just working his way into the first team in maybe you know maybe two years or so maybe three but that's the thing a lot of the barca b team i see some of them as having potential two or three years out and that's what i thought but now seeing wage looking good and then also seeing how kukurea has been out on loan to ibar especially at his age i think okay we don't have to sign left back and right back. We just need to bring these two guys up and we're going to be good to go now. So now, yeah, that does open things up for something like a deluxe signing. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. I mean, just think about the speed and now the depth that we have, if we bring those two players up, you know, again, I, unfortunately, I just don't know how much Valverde is going to say yes to that youth movement, because again, he is just trying to win matches and not lose. Right. So again, like today's match, you know, he didn't lose. Right. Right. And that's all he's looking for. That's all he's looking for. And again, that's kind of part of the problem is there's that disconnect between his idea of player development and his ideas of not losing. Right. right? So hopefully that's what they do, because I think that's, you know, again, it it just makes so much sense to do that. Uh, I would be very excited to see Wagu and uh, Cucurella back on the team as starters or not starters, but as, you know, first teamers, you know, I think that would be really a, a great confidence booster for both of those players, especially in Cucurella's case, you've seen him play a full season in La Liga exactly. you know, as the outright starter. So now you have all that evidence, you know, it would be different if he was a spot starter, you know, maybe like uh, Delafeu back in the day, you know, where he was spot starting on a, on a lower tier team that still gives you not enough confidence, right. Or not enough analytics to look at it, but he's played the whole season. He's played well. And again, it just makes, it makes completely complete sense to do that. So uh, that would get me excited for those signings and then just sign, you know, obviously we have the Jean coming and delict done. I'm good with that. Maybe another forward, but cheaper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now this marks something of a milestone. I mean, you know, Messi had already kind of sealed up the Pichichi award, probably at least one or two games ago. He's far and away the top scorer in La Liga, but so he he wins his sixth Pichichi and he's on track to win his sixth golden boot. He got the two goals in this game, giving him that much more uh, space between him and Kylian Mbappe, who's the closest behind him. Yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, he's just put out, this has been one of his best seasons. Unfortunately, we didn't reach all our goals this season. Um, But again, he was you know, by far and away the best player in La Liga and in Europe, just with everything he did with assists, goals, free kicks, and so forth. I think he'll definitely win out the golden boot because I don't think uh, PSG have any more games. I think maybe they have one more game, if that. Um, yeah, but we'll see what they would have to score for five goals. Yeah. Just yeah, by well, himself. <laughs> yeah, it's possible because it is the French League, so we'll see. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just it's so impressive, the consistency that Messi does it. I mean, this has been one of our most frustrating points is you just can't waste these amazing years that Messi's given to the club, you know, 
with performances in Champions League because we want it all. We want it to, we want Messi to be the best player ever when he's finished and you know, in the conversation is the titles. So, you know, we want this glory. So again, what can you say? We need to figure out next season to continue to have the messy output, but also have other players bring up the, the back with more goals. Because as we talked about in champions league, what the last three seasons, the second leading score was own goal, own goal. That can't happen. Yeah, exactly. That cannot happen. So we need more balance. I mean, we still need Messi to score. I mean, you know, we want Messi to score and have his output, but it cannot be the only thing because, you know, some nights, especially like in Anfield, when they bottle you up, you need to have someone else come up to play. Right, exactly. Now, the only thing we have to look forward to at this point is the, well, the last episode of the season (laughs) after the Copa del Rey final against Valencia. So we've got all these injuries that uh, the club's carrying. Of course, Suarez totally out. As we mentioned, Malcolm will probably get the start in the Copa del Rey final. Coutinho's injured. I don't know how severe it is. Artur is injured. Also don't know how severe that is. I'm pretty sure Dembele is done for the season. So what are you anticipating? And Valencia has been playing really well lately. So what are you anticipating for this final? Yeah, I'm kind of nervous, you know, if if I were to be honest, because like you said, Valencia has been playing well. They just qualified yesterday for Champions League. So they stayed up uh, above the fourth place. They've been playing really well in that they've been fighting longer for that position than we have for anything else. So that always kind of scares me. But, you know, again, uh, Copa del Rey final, I think Messi will be up for it. And again, Malcolm getting these opportunities, the other players getting opportunities as well that normally may not are going to really put a nice effort. So, and also it's at a neutral place. So, you know, it doesn't really give any other team an advantage there. Uh, Again, I think we should be able to pull it off. Um, I think, you know, Valencia is a little bit predictable with their formation of four, four, two, but again, they have one of my, you know, favorite players to watch in La Liga and Rodrigo. So if he's up for it, Guedes has been playing a lot better these past couple months and they also have Gaimero. And so we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a tough match for sure, but I think that we should be okay. So are you going to be organizing any kind of a watch party there in Madrid or anything? I'll probably just go to a bar, watch it with some friends. That's what we usually do for the Copa del Rey because it's usually Saturday night around 930 or so. So it's a good reason just to kind of go to the bar, watch the game and go out afterwards. So I, I've done that the last couple of years. So just going to do that. What about you? What are you going to do? I, I think I, I don't know. If I do have a watch party, it will involve maybe me and one other person. Okay. Well, <laughs> or I might just stay home. Uh, I haven't decided yeah. yet, but I'm leaning towards I'm leaning towards some kind of a watch party. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun match because, you know, the Copa del Rey final match is usually pretty good matches, you know. It's pretty yeah. open-ended. Um, you know, both teams, doesn't matter who's playing, they always kind of play free-flowing football, so it should be very entertaining to say the least. I just hope we can get that so we can get the doblete. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get that doblete. And we will talk about it next week. Thanks to Michelle Taylor this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Support the show through Patreon, the Amazon Marketplace, and the Barca Talk merchandise store, all at barsatalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.